Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, with most baby boomers now in their late 50s to mid-70s, the growing of today's farming community certainly continues to increase, and that makes the topic of succession planning even more relevant. That's why today on Dairy Stream, we're beginning a three-part series on that subject. Now, today we begin our series on success in succession planning by looking at how to get organized. And that's going to be followed by a segment on covering financials and consulting. And then in our third segment, we're going to get legal and mediation. But joining us today to begin our series are Jamie Witz Pollock from Pagel's Ponderosa Dairy and Steve Bodard. He's a senior dairy consultant with Compeer Financial. And I want to thank you both for sharing your insights and experiences on this subject. And if you don't mind, Steve, I'm going to begin with you to give us maybe a brief overview of your experience with succession planning. Well, thanks, Mike. Just looking at where my role has been, I've been doing dairy business planning with producers for the past about 30 years now. With that said, when I originally started out here, a lot of the projects that I was working with was uh, dairies that were looking at expanding or changing their business. And a lot of times as we got into some of the goal planning and discussions there, there were multiple generations involved in the plan. And so, you know, the discussion on what really is going to be occurring here, we started to evolve and we'd start talking about, well, if generation one is going to start to move out, how is generation two going to um, become part of this business and, and what steps have you guys taken? So with that, you know, evolved and there's been more and more time that is spent on the succession planning on multiple uh, dairies. And as you said, there are a lot of baby boomers that are getting uh, close to retirement age. And so there is that plan, that desire to how do we move it on to the next generation? You know, as we've worked with succession plans, you know, it has, some of them have been excellent successions. Some of them have struggled. And I think a big part of that is just the time that they're spending with the planning up front in order to put together a optimal succession plan. So I, I think each one is individualized. There's no one carbon copy for every farm. Every family is a little bit different, but it has been a learning experience and we are seeing uh, things continue to evolve with each business that we work with over the last 30 years. Now, Jamie, I know you have the individual experience of going through a succession. Can you kind of share your overview on that experience? Um, we've had one heck of a roller coaster ride because after the accident, Dad had thought he had things set up very well. And thank God Dad did work on the succession planning and we had certain things covered and taken care of. But there were many things that were not addressed that we had a really hard time dealing with. And what was so difficult with that is that we had to work through everything under a lot of emotion and a lot of stress. And if we would have been better prepared, if we would have taken the time to have those difficult conversations and done a better job planning, we things would have went a lot smoother. And we're still working on a lot of it, and we have a long road ahead of us. But it has been, like I said, one roller coaster ride. 
It sounds like it, and we're going to get into more details a little bit later on. Again, uh, Jamie Woods-Pollock of Pago Ponderosa Dairy uh, is one of our guests, along with Steve Bodart, Senior Dairy Consultant with Compure Financial here on Dairy Stream. And we are looking at success in succession planning. This is part one, which is dealing with how to get organized. And Steve, talking about that organization, really, who should be on your succession planning team? And maybe you can explain a little bit about the roles they actually play. Right away, everybody thinks, well, we got to have the the senior and the junior generation involved, which is a definite we're going to have those people involved because we have people that are going to be looking at and moving to their next venture in life. And so they're going to have goals and desires. We also have an upcoming generation that is looking to take over more of the responsibilities of the dairy or of the business. And so, of course, those two sets of people are going to be involved. But then I think a lot of times we think right away, okay, an attorney needs to be involved. That is correct. An attorney needs to be involved. Sometimes though, we try to get the attorney involved right away at the first step or the attorney and the accountant involved right away at the first step. And yet we really don't even have an idea of where we're going. What is our goals? Where do we want to get this business to? And so then these the attorney and the accountant is putting together different, multiple proposals for you with no real clear vision as to where we're heading. So I think more often than not, our family needs to have some type of coach, some type of moderator involved before we even get the attorney or the CPA involved. You know, there are family business planning consultants that are out there. I think those people play a huge role in helping you through this. Along with that, there can be a financial advisor or a consultant that you're working with that can play a role. I think it's important to have a complete team here as you're looking at this so that, again, that family business consultant, that's what they're working with. They're working with all sorts of families. They're working with people that have went through successions in the past. They know some of the difficult, hard questions to ask family members to truly get to the root of the emotion of what really drives family member A or family member B. And so I, I think it is important that we have that that moderator, that leader there, that coach there to help guide us through and for everybody to understand their roles so that we can have a successful succession plan. And again, it's 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 going to take time. Like I said in before, you have to have some time here to plan this out. So again, we're going to bring that attorney in, we're going to bring the CPA in, but I don't think it's right away at the first step when we're just starting to decide what our goals really are. And that's a good insight and a good starting point. And Jamie, since you did go through this and you already said that, uh, you know, for your family, it still is a roller coaster ride. How did you kind of put things together? Did you start just with family members or did you bring in professionals right away? So we brought in professionals right away. When dad had first started the conversation, he had brought George Towigan, who is an attorney. He works with a lot of um, agriculture-related families regarding that setup for that succession and transition plan. So we started working with him. And Nikki with Greenstone had worked with our family ever since I came back to the farm almost 20 years ago. Nikki is someone that dad trusted. She knew dad's thought process. She knew about the businesses. 
she was a very, very critical piece. So Nikki has grown with the businesses. She understands the reasoning behind it, the trust, why the trust was set up, how everything flowed through the trust and was very an integral part of that. So I think having somebody that you can trust that understands your business is critical. So Nikki still is very an active member in as part of our team. George Towig is our attorney. Again, he we still work with him. He We actually have a meeting set up next week with him to continue our succession planning. We have CLA in the room. So CLA is our CPA. So they are also involved because you need them from a tax perspective. So George can give his input and things may look good on paper, but what does that look like from a tax perspective? So it's really important to have your CPA in there too. And then uh, we did have an in-house lawyer. She is now on her own, but she attends. And then our CFO is also part of our our members that, that are at the table because they are helping us through our next plan. And my brothers and I are also there, of course. But I just think it is really critical to have those players at the table. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting insight and appreciate that. But to get back to Steve's point, as you said, you kind of started with both uh, professionals and family members. Who actually played the role of the moderator and has that transition to a different person, you know, over the months and now years you've been involved in this? So for us, yes. he was, again, a very critical part because, she, again, we worked with her from Greenstone, someone we can trust, someone who knew the businesses and understood dad's thought process and knew the family. She played a critical role as far as more of, I guess, I guess a listener. George was more of the moderator. George asks the tough questions. He's not afraid to, you know, make you uncomfortable. So I would have to say he's really the one that's moderating and driving the bus in, in our in our group. And again, uh, as we mentioned in the open with Steve, he said, you know, each farm, each situation is going to be different. But for you, did you feel that was the right blueprint? That was the right way to go? Or thinking back now in hindsight, would you have wished maybe you or a different family member would have been the moderator? I think that it has to be someone who's not a family member because it is very difficult to go through this process. So for me, it's myself and my two brothers and we all may think different things and we may have different opinions. And so to have a moderator in there to challenge you to think things through, it makes a lot more sense to have somebody who's not family. Appreciate that insight. That is the voice of Jamie Witz-Pollock from Pago Ponderosa Dairy. When she mentions dad, she mentioned uh, we're talking about John Pago, the uh, the man in charge of building Pago's Ponderosa Dairy. And of course, he suffered that tragic death. But uh, I'm glad to see the operation still running well. But again, as uh, Jamie mentioned, still kind of in a transition process when we're talking about the success of a secession plan. And that's what we're trying to uh, help with this podcast. This is really the first of a three-part series. Also with us is Steve Bodard. He's the senior dairy consultant with Compere Financial. And Steve, let's talk, everybody likes to talk acronyms. And there's one out there called SWAT, which is Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, Threats. And it's an analysis plan to help uh, secession planning. Uh, How does that really work? It's really great to go through a SWOT analysis with a farm and get them to really start to take their blinders off. All too often, we're we're in our little ideal world, or maybe it's not ideal, but in our little world, and we see our business as it is, but we really don't understand what our strengths are 
in our business or what our uh, weaknesses are and how do we need to address them? And I think, first off, just starting with the strengths and weaknesses, it is often interesting meeting with a family and what one member of the family sees as a strength or what one of your advisors sees as a strength Another person on that same, within that same group, sees as a weakness. And so getting to address that, talking about why do we really see this as a strength or why do we see this as a weakness, I think is huge to get the people to start to come together so that they can see where, how can the business move forward? What do we need to address here if this is going to be a su- successful transition? I think the same goes with opportunities and threats, which are outside influences on the business. When we look at our business, what are those outside influences that could either either help us or could cause us harm? And we need to evaluate, we need to be looking at them so that we can capitalize. And again, I think when we really get into in-depth here, it really causes people to take their blinders off and it opens up a whole lot of opportunities. And I think by opening up those opportunities, it allows us to explore where does the business want to go with the succession plan. Now, Jamie, getting to you, since you have gone through part of this already and knowing your dad, wasn't something like this? I mean, when you just talk about your good business plan, didn't you guys even prior before you thought about secession, think about, hey, we got to review our strengths and our weaknesses and those outside threats and opportunities just as a business? Or was this something really that came to light once you started getting organized for the secession planning? Well, we had done SWAP prior to the accident. So we don't have anything set up where we do it every year, but we do do our SWOT analysis. We didn't really wrap it into our succession plan. A lot of our succession plan obviously was after the the tragic accident and having to figure out how we structure the business. So for us, I think that SWOT is important so people do understand their strengths and weaknesses, opportunities and threats. But structure is a very critical piece to that as well, how the business is structured and will be structured. And just a follow-up question, Jamie, on that then, because, you know, you got multiple players, different visions, sometimes within, you know, the the same generation of, of what they see for the farm or where they're hoping the farm will go. Just how important is having a solid vision and mission important that everyone's going to agree upon? Is that one of the major hurdles or one of the major accomplishments you need to have if this is going to be a successful secession plan? Yes, that was number one, because before, you know, in my mind, I lived dad's vision and dad's mission and dad's dream. So whatever dad wanted, I was for. Dad was driving the train and I was just getting everything on the train. And it was one of those things where we just did kind of whatever dad thought and and we lived dad's dream and and that's just how we were wired. and, And we had a hub and spoke model here and everything pretty much went through dad and dad made that last call. So that is how we operated. After the accident, we had to figure out how do we move forward now because we lost Dan and my husband, Steve, who handled everything on the outside and the operations on the outside. So now we lost dad and Steve, and and I wasn't here very often either. And how are we going to move forward? So JJ came back. He was over at Dairy Dreams, our other dairy. Right. And um, we had to figure out how we were going to align as owners. And one of the first steps we took was trying to figure out what our vision is 
what our mission is, what are our values as an executive team, what does that look like? Because not only are we here and we have to figure things out for our family, but we are taking care of all of our employees and their families. So it was a critical piece for us to figure out and understand where and how we were going to do it. And having a vision, mission, and values, that was like our first step of setting the stage. And thank you for that answer. And Steve, for you know, someone that's worked with you know more than one family on this, and you know, this is really kind of at the core of what you do for Carmpeer uh, Financial. How important, from your perspective, is it then to you know this family farm has to have a solid vision, a mission, and values that everyone will agree upon? Is that again, uh, from your perspective as well, one of those key building blocks that has to uh, come to agreement? Otherwise, this may just fall apart. Mike, that is so key that we have that a very solid foundation there with that vision and mission for the business. Without that, you know, as we go through our SWOT analysis, we're gonna we're gonna come up with a lot of ideas and a lot of things. And if we don't come down to a common vision and mission, it is very easy to get off on rabbit trails that really have nothing to do with where the business wants to go. And then you start spending time and energy on something that doesn't have any purpose for what the business really wants or the vision of the business. And so I, I think it is important that we have that there. And it is also with the succession, it's very important that we know what the end goal is for the succession plan. What is that vision? Where do we want to get to? If we don't have that in mind, how do we tailor all the steps to move from where we're at today to the vision that we have in mind for the future? So I can't say it enough how important it is to have that vision and mission established and that it is a mission and vision that all the participants agree on, both in the generation that is leaving the business and the generation that's coming into the business in order to help ensure that we do have as successful a succession plan as possible. I certainly want to thank uh, both Jamie and Steve for giving us the building blocks and putting together what are the components to have success in succession planning. And again, this is the first of a three-part series. We'll kind of give you some insights on what else we're covering. But today, we're talking about how to get organized, and we have two excellent guests to help us with that. They will continue our conversation here on our Dairy Stream podcast right after this. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. Compeer Financial is the leading financial service provider for agriculture and rural communities. We serve the needs of farmers and neighbors with local offices in Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. To learn more, visit Compeer.com or contact us at 844-426-6733. Trademarks of Compeer Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Well, welcome back to Dairy Stream. Our guest today is uh, Jamie Witz-Pollock of Pagel Ponderosa and also Steve Bodart. He's a senior dairy consultant with Compeer Financial. We are beginning the first of a three-part series dealing with success in succession planning. And uh, the first part of our series is how to get organized. We shared some of that during the first half of our podcast. Uh, later on at the end of 
On the podcast, we'll remind you of the two other segments of the series, which include covering financial consulting and then also legal and mediation. But let's get back to our conversation now. And I'm going to start with you, Jamie, because I know you wanted to add a little bit to, uh, you know, everybody being on the same page when it comes to vision and mission and things like that for your uh, family farm. So just in general, let's start out with what type of challenges did your family and really business face through this process, which actually is still ongoing. Well, like I said before, we were living dad's dream and heading in the direction, whatever direction dad was going, that's where we were going. So now we have to figure out what is the, is the direction of the business? How are we going to get there? What does it look like? And I have three brothers. One brother opted to no longer be part of the business. So then it was down to myself and my two brothers. And now we have to figure out how we are going to align as owners. And one of those obstacles was creating that vision, mission, and values, and that we all agreed to, to those and what that looked like. And we had worked with somebody who had given us this advice of taking a deck of cards and it is a deck of cards that is made up of values and they put the deck of cards out on the table and it was my brothers and I and our executive team all around the table. So we had to pick six cards and then write those down that we felt were the top key values or personal values. And then say, then we did the top three and we wrote them all up on the board. And we went through this exercise because when you have values, you have to live by those values. You have to model those values. Your whole culture at work should be wrapped around those values. And it was trying to align us to move forward. And that was one of our challenges was aligning us as the three owners agreeing on what those vision, mission, and values were. And then probably the most difficult thing I wish dad would have worked on prior to the accident was identifying roles and responsibilities because everybody's going to unfortunately be in this position one day. And I hope people are listening to this podcast and start working on this now and having these difficult conversations now because we did not have them. So who was supposed to do what? I thought I knew who was supposed to do what, but then to lose my husband and dad, I couldn't do what I thought dad wanted. And then my brothers, you know, we we're all in that same boat. So now we have to figure out who has what responsibilities, who is going to sit in dad's chair. I mean, we had a lot of tears, a lot of emotions, and a lot of very tough conversations. And if we would have had things set up and a plan put in place as to what that looks like for roles and responsibilities, it would have been a lot easier than what we experienced. I'm really happy where we are today and we are doing very well, but we are very fortunate that the three of us are still here working together. I will say that. That's excellent insights, and we thank you for being so open, Jamie. I know it's not always easy, and Steve, I know you've dealt with this uh, as well when we talk about, you know, certain people's visions and roles and what they, you know, what they thought was going to be uh, the direction of the farming business and what reality really made it, and also what somebody else you thought would want to do, and maybe, you know, now that's not what they want to take up, and that it can be very emotional, and Maybe just from your perspective, Steve, since you've dealt with a variety of different farming operations, what are some of those common challenges that you've seen and where have you had to really kind of come in and try to help bring these family farms together with their succession planning? So one of the things that Jamie brought up is, is roles and responsibilities and that being 
a little bit unclear for them with their dad's passing. Another example that even can be just as bad, if not even worse than the example that Jamie brought up here, is where the senior generation is still involved and the successor generation is also involved, but we've assigned new roles, new responsibilities to the successor generation, but yet senior generation has had this responsibility forever and ever. And all of a sudden, the junior generation is giving out ideas, is providing input as to how a certain task is to be done or providing leadership as to how they want their team members to work. And then too often, it's not exactly what dad or the senior generation wanted to see. And I see too many places where the dad then does the end around and goes Mm -hmm. behind the junior generation and changes the direction. Instead of coming back to the junior generation and talking about the process and how you're going to work, doing that end around and basically undercutting the value that you know our successors are, are bringing to the business. And that really can be demoralizing for um, that, that successor generation and cause them to just feel like, do I really have this value? Does dad trust me? Does mom trust me? Where are we going? And so I think that is a prime example that we have seen way too often is the senior generation forgetting that we need to work as a team in order to move this together. And if there's questions, let's do it the appropriate way. Let's have our discussions behind instead of doing the end around and sabotaging what, what our next generation had planned. Well, Steve, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the building blocks that, again, are necessary to build this kind of uh, pyramid organization that will continue to have our family farm being successful into the future through the uh, secession process. So I know you and I off, Mike, uh, talked a little earlier about bullet points. This might be a good time to bring some of those up. So from your perspective, besides what we now have been talking about the last few minutes, what, in your opinion, are some of those other components that really are critical bullet points if this session is going to be successful. So great thing. When I look at a succession plan, I often think of three major bullet points. Now, I know a lot of the people that are probably listening to this podcast think of the one bullet point, and that is the transfer of ownership. Mm -hmm. And that is part of succession. But to me, that is the last part of succession. The first part needs to be the transfer of knowledge. How do we transfer everything that the senior generation has done just day to day? How do we do things? How do we make decisions? How does that get transferred from the senior generation to the junior generation? What's the process? We don't want to overwhelm people, but we do need to make sure that that knowledge gets transferred and gets transferred successfully so that we are setting up our people, our successors to have the best opportunities in the future. Bullet point number two, I think, is transfer of management and leadership. And this is where I was really getting at um, in my previous comment there on where I see succession plans struggle. As we say we're transferring management, we say we're transferring leadership, and then we go back and we don't follow through. 
I know for some farms, you know, the senior generation, it is fairly easy for them to back away from some of those management decisions and let their children um, make those next decisions. For others, it's really a struggle. And I would say, especially if it has, if the business has been a sole proprietorship prior to this succession, that tends to be a real challenge because mom or dad was used to making 100% of the decisions. And now for them to take a back seat and let their son or daughter make some of those decisions can be more challenging. And then the third part is the transfer of ownership. Now, I think it is also crucial as we look at this transfer of ownership that we pace the transfer of ownership with the way we are transferring knowledge and management and leadership. We don't want to transfer all the ownership and yet still have all the management responsibilities on the senior generation. So it is important that we're timing things to work together here in order for it to be successful. Without that, you know, there have been times where the successors have said, I don't want to do this, but now all of a sudden they own 60% of the business. That's not a good, comfortable spot for the mm-hmm. new generation to be in. So we we need to have balance. We need to be talking about all these areas simultaneously in order for the succession to occur at the appropriate time with the appropriate skills all in place. This comments from Steve Bodart, Senior Dairy Consultant with Compere Financial. Also with us, Jamie Witz-Pollock of Piggles Ponderosa Dairy. We are focusing in on success in succession planning. This is the first part of our three-part series on Dairy Stream. And Jamie, just want to stay on that subject for a moment to just see, do you have anything to add? I agree with what Steve said, but I think for number one would be creating a trust. Okay. Because if we would not have created a trust our tax situation would have been very catastrophic to the point where we could have potentially had to sell the business. And and it is very unfortunate how taxes work and, and how the IRS handles that. However, because of the trust, we are able to continue operating. So I think that if I had to tell anybody anything, creating a trust is definitely number one. And then I agree with all his bullets after that. And also, Jamie, and I want to just kind of a short answer on this, but I think it's one question I should also ask is, you know, sometimes no matter what you're doing, especially when it's a major project like this, you can get caught up in the details. So, again, just from your experience, do you see it as, you know, better to start big picture and work backwards through those details? Or do you try to get rid of the details and cover those, you know, up front? So our state finally just got settled at the end of December. So it's been almost four years and it just got settled. So now we can start working on our succession and transitions finally after four years. And so what I asked our attorney to do was to create a timeline. So we keep it simple, but we keep checking things off and getting questions answered, keep moving forward with the trust, the will, setting that up for the next generation and what that looks like, but having a timeline set up and an agenda so we have action items because it is so overwhelming and there is a lot to it so that we can simplify the process, but actually get things done versus being so overwhelmed and not completing things like we've done in the past. Steve, would you recommend that process as well? 
I would definitely um, support everything that, that Jamie has said there. I think it's important, again, just as I kind of alluded to earlier, that we uh, stay with the big picture, know what the end results are, and then the fine details will work in. And once we have the big threshold uh, desired and know where we're going, we can always come back and talk about, okay, exactly what's going to happen with this little detail or that detail based on the vision, mission, and where the end result is. Jimmy, back in the first part of our Dairy Stream podcast today, you talked a little bit about putting together your team. Uh, Let's use you again, maybe as part of the timeline. When did you actually start to loop your employees and your managers into this whole succession conversation? I think that employees were pretty shaken up after the accident just because of the relationship they had with dad and Steve Mm -hmm. or the both of them or one of them. And so I think they were wondering like what happens now because we were all so shaken up from it. So we have multiple businesses and everybody was operating individually and we shifted everything to one team, one dream, where we all started working together as one so that we were sharing expertise because we have a lot of talented employees and have a lot of very intelligent employees. And we started working and cross-training and trying to spread that wealth of knowledge so that we weren't in the situation that we were in. So that was one thing that we started doing. So we were not working as you take care of just this. Yes, this is your responsibility of your department or business, but working together and utilizing each each other's talents and intelligence. And Steve, obviously, the Pago Ponderosa is a, a unique situation because, I mean, you're losing two vibrant individuals that played such a key role in the operation. And uh, again, it was such a tragic situation that in general, for other people that are looking at secession, that have maybe a more natural process in this. Again, when would you recommend those employees and other managers get into the conversation? Mike, great question. I I want to back up a bit. We need to remember before we even get our employees or key managers involved, your business may have some family members that are not going to be actively involved in this business. And I think it is crucial once we start to have at least a little bit of the framework down that we get the non-active family members involved because we might find out that there really is some desire in the back there, back of their heads, that they would like to be a part of the business. Some way, You've seen some that way. happen before? Yes, I have. Hmm, okay. <laughs> I have seen this. And so it is important in my mind to make sure that we understand what some of those non-active members have for desires also. So I think we need to start there and make sure that they're in the loop, make sure that they understand what mom and dad's desires are because we may have this succession plan and all of a sudden that non-active family member feels that I'm basically being taken out of everything. Mom and dad are gonna give everything to Joe because he's active in the business. That may not be the real case and so before we create too many hardships. We need to understand what's all planned there for both active members and non-active family members. I think once we get that, we get the baseline, we get the outline of how the succession is going to start working. Then I think it is important for the key managers to understand where their role is going to be. Who are they going to be reporting to? When is that shift going to occur? What do I do if I have some 
problems, making sure it's clear to them, just as it is to the senior and junior generation, who's in charge of A, B, or C. Who do they who do those managers come to if they have questions? We need to have those clear communications. If we don't, then we get all this end around stuff going from both the senior and from the employees because they don't know where to go. Excellent insights. And again, I appreciate all the time you've given us. Our time goes too quickly. So, Steve, I'm just going to ask you this question, and then I would like both uh, you and Jamie to answer the final one. But, Steve, again, and maybe we can just talk about this again in kind of bullet points. But what farm succession tools or resources are really available out there for family farms, and which ones do you recommend? There's a lot of pieces of information out there, you know, and and you can get some of it from your lender. You can get pieces of information from attorneys, so forth. The big thing that I say is start putting your data points together is where do we want to go? What really is the desire? And making sure that you guys are on on the same page and then making sure, just as Jamie said earlier, we have that non-family member that everybody is comfortable with. It might be an advisor you're using today that can come in and kind of moderate what is happening on the farm. Does this really make sense? Where are we going? But there are a lot of resources out there. There are lots that just want to sell you life insurance also. That Mm -hmm. is not what this is all about. We do not start with a life insurance policy to have a successful succession. But look for those advisors. Interview them if you don't have one, and we can come up with good resources for you to start this process. And Jamie, again, I want to thank you in particular for just kind of opening up, um, you know, all your emotions and feelings about this process. I know it's been some challenges uh, you've met. And as you said, process continues to be kind of a roller coaster ride. And again, thanks for, you know, your demeanor and sharing facts and figures and challenges and also opportunities that have come over the years you've been working on this. But I want to ask you just some final piece of advice. What would you have for someone that is looking at their own succession? planning, what are some of maybe the do's and don'ts you really feel they should be aware of? I had to give advice. I would definitely say create your trust immediately. I think the other piece of that is if you want your assets to stay within the business that had it created where it stays within the blood family line. So Mm -hmm. then there was some documents drafted that the spouses, no matter if there's a divorce or death, however that works, they would never come after the farm assets, the business assets. So there was a document that was created. So I think that was very critical. And the other piece is have those difficult conversations now to identify who is going to handle what, what that responsibility looks like, because maybe too, maybe it's not any of the kids that are going to be in those leadership positions. Maybe it's going to be an employee there who is going to be the CEO or who sits in dad's chair, who knows. But I think that so many times people don't want to have those difficult conversations because there's multiple children involved. And I think having them now before it's too late is critical. So that would be my advice as far as the key points to starting that transition and succession plan. And just to echo what Jamie said, I think that's the point that should be underlined. There will be difficult decisions to be made during the dialogue you have on this process. And it's something you you can't be afraid of or you try to ignore. It has to be addressed. And uh, certainly uh, Jamie and her family have lived through that. Steve, I'm giving you the final word. 
my final piece of advice is Jamie has, I think, enlightened our listeners a lot today in that succession is not an event. It needs to be a journey. It's not something that is going to be covered in one day or one month. It is hard to put a exact deadline on when it will be completed, but we need to take the time. We need to start early to have the best opportunity to have a successful succession plan. Well said. And again, some good conversation certainly shared today on Dairy Stream. And we want to say a big thank you. And that doesn't seem adequate enough for the time and insights they've shared. But thank you again to Jamie Witz Pollock of Pagel's Ponderosa Dairy and Steve Bodart, Senior Dairy Consultant with Compere Financial, for the information and insights and opening up not only their minds, but their hearts to us on what is really a very important topic for really all that are involved in farming and want to keep that operation in the in the farm family. I also want to thank them for helping us kick off our series on how to successfully get organized in a succession plan. I do want to remind you next time you hear uh, Dairy Stream, we will be going to our second segment of this three-part series. And during that episode, we're going to cover such things as something that Jimmy brought up, and that's trust versus wills, also tax implications and estate planning. I'll also be looking at cash flow analysis, social security, and even long-term care and health care, another aspect of what you need to know in putting together a succession plan. As always, my thanks go to our producer and editor, that is Joanna Guza, for the great job she does. And I want to thank you for spending a part of your day listening to today's podcast. And again, we know your time is valuable, but we feel this subject certainly is as well. And it was time well spent. I'm Mike Austin. That's my time for Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com.